how about uh, how's the ants situation? Or have you stepped in? To oh, look at it? I haven't stepped in. I'm I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. Me too. That, I actually uh, thought about it this morning because there was like a trail of ants in our bathroom at home. That's They're a lot. everywhere. I and mean, we live on a hill. We live on a dirt hill. So they sometimes find their way in. On one hand, I'm kind of like irritated, but on the other hand, if there's not that many of them, then I feel like I can just let them have a free pass. You know, if they're not like on me. No, you're too kind. I know. I think they're the scourge of the earth. I know, but like our, our house is set up so that our bedroom is downstairs. So it literally is like a concrete, it's like the equivalent of a basement built into the side of a hill. So it's like if there's ants getting in, like, I don't know if it's necessarily their fault. But it is their fault when they show up in my classroom in large numbers, coming out of the walls, out of the vent, crawling all over my desk, into my coffee cup that is doesn't even have coffee in it anymore. I was so freaked out. <laughs> it's just like not you see them and you get icky. So I'm really grateful for your contraption that you brought over. Happily, happily. Yeah, it sounds like it was like well-researched contraption design, kind of goes beyond the original chemical spray. Uh, it seems like this method of kind of laying out this liquid that the ants bring back to their colony is uh, a quite thorough and effective way to get ants out of your home space. It's, it's probably the most passively aggressive way to destroy an ant for colony. For sure, for sure. They do not know it's coming until no. it's too late. No, just it's savage, really. But regardless of the ant murder, it does remind me a ton of uh, kind of the creative problem solving that was happening last year in our school's makerspace and idea lab. Oh, yes. Uh, because you came into my room, you kind of saw this problem, and you were like, okay, I'm gonna put together my research, my past experience, my um, expertise, and my creative problem solving skills to like bring this solution in to try to address this complex problem. Um, and that work seems really aligned to what the scholars were doing last year in the Idea Lab. Not the killing ants part, but like the creative problem solving part. And wouldn't you know it, but today is a very special day. A special day! On the Odyssey of Learning podcast. Thank you for joining us, by the way. My name is Hunter. I'm Courtney. And yeah, we have a guest that we're going to be interviewing today, just a stand-up citizen of the world, if you will. Um, but he's going to be here, we're going to introduce him in a minute, um, to talk to us about the Innovation Studio, uh, which is a, I guess, class, you would say, that our freshmen are enrolled in, uh, that they get to spend time in twice a week. And it's, I think it'd be easier to answer the question, what don't they do yeah. in this space? Because it is a remarkable area of learning that just has so many applications um, for work today and, and being efficient and, and learning skills that can just be applied in so many different ways. Um, and at the front of all of that uh, is a, a man of many titles, I think. W what do we want to use? D director? Experts. Experts. Just uh, creative liaison, problem solver. Awesome dude is up, up there for enthusiast. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're we're going to be talking shortly uh, with Aaron, who is our, uh, our Idea Lab guru. Um, Courtney, I'm just curious about your perspective you're thinking back to the work that we did 
um, with Aaron and our freshmen in the innovation studio last year. What struck you as kind of the most profound or the most interesting uh, learning that was happening there? Yeah, for me, when I think back to the Idea Lab, I see it so much as a problem-solving space, which, right, the ants, um, but in bigger ways, right? So all of the scholars and Aaron together are addressing kind of these uh, dilemmas in society uh, and creatively solving some of the problems that they're researching deeply and, and getting a strong sense of and generating these technological, creative solutions. Um, and so the studio that kind of comes to mind immediately was their work with the Equine Therapy Center last year, uh, towards the end of the year. Our scholars were connected with an equine therapy center in Southern California and went and toured the facility and then used their expertise from the makerspace to design, execute, and install these um, sensory trail pieces. Uh, yeah. sensory trail yeah. experiences. Um, so using things like PVC pipe and yarn and uh, fabric with texture and color and uh, light reflective material, they design these experiences so individuals with um, cognitive disabilities are walking through on their horse and they can interact with these tactile or visual sensory experiences to um, make like cognitive developments in their progress towards, uh, I guess, feeling more okay in the world uh, and feeling more comfortable and interacting with sensory experiences. And it's I, so complex. It's like hard to, it's kind of meta. It feels difficult to explain, but um, essentially they would walk through on a horse, right, and engage with these uh, adjacent experiences that our scholars were designing. Absolutely. And I, I think when we, when we get him in here, he is going to uh, describe those things much more eloquently I than <laughs> either you or I can. Um, but I think what, you know, and to your point, what underlies all of this is that uh, Aaron is a very committed individual Definitely. to these kids. I mean, thinking back to the project in question, this equine therapy project, um, when it came, when push came to shove and these projects needed to be completed, I mean, the guy was here 6 30, 7 o'clock in the morning, just, you know, putting on touches that the kids just didn't have the time to do during school and and really bringing these projects together helping our scholars um realize their visions that they had is uh is super profound the kids love them yeah uh, i mean aaron is just uh he's amazing and uh, we're really excited to have him here on the podcast so without further ado please join us in welcoming aaron yay Well, welcome, Aaron, to the Odyssey of Learning podcast. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Happy to be here. Excellent. Have you done a podcast before? I've never done a podcast before. Really? Really. I find myself occasionally smiling as if there's a camera on me, and then I realize that no one can see me, and I'm grateful. <laughs> Clearly, you can see the sophistication of this laptop dual microphone setup. It's yeah. uh, really complex. I'm, I'm sure that you're you're wildly blown away right Super now. Super high tech. Yeah. So um, let's see. You want to kick things off here, Courtney? Yeah. Let's yeah. I feel like um, one of my favorite ways to be introduced to people is to hear a funny or memorable story about them from the perspective of someone that isn't them. 
but kind of in their presence, you can watch them react to the story. So I feel like it'd be fun if if Hunter and I could begin by sharing uh, like one of our favorite memories about you or with you included. Oh boy. And then we're going to force you to do the same about us. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. But if you want to. (laughs) Um, So I'll go first. Uh, One of my favorite memories of last year working with you was... um, when we were, I think when all the kids and the advisors were learning how to use the laser cutter for the first couple of times. Mm-hmm. And it was in, it was the smaller laser cutter. So it's kind of in that back hallway area. Yeah. And I don't know the science behind why that laser cutter seemed to get hotter than the other larger laser cutter, which you would assume would get hotter because it's bigger. But I just remember like, four times in one class period that thing catching on fire (laughs) and me sitting back there and all of a sudden thinking like do i smell smoke and looking over and seeing a piece of cardboard just like fully lit up in flames inside of this machine and i think that memory like sticks out to me so much because it kind of plays on the humor that can happen in this highly technical space Mm -hmm. and uh also really solidified your uh I guess personality in my mind as someone who's like super cool and collected under pressure and like willing to see the humor in things, but also understands like the seriousness of the nature of the work that we're doing and the quality of the machines that we have in the makerspace. So that's one of my first memories. Hunter, how about you? I, I missed out on fire, man. I, I don't know if I <laughs> There can, was so much fire. I, I couldn't fire. believe it. <laughs> Does four sound like what you remember? So the answer to that question is it's ventilation. If you think of the big machine, it vents downwards, uh, and there's a lot of airflow. If you think of the smaller machines, there's a flat piece of metal directly underneath it. There's no airflow, and so it sits and, sits and smolders. And smolder it did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say my my fondest memory, and I do I, I genuinely mean this as a fond memory. It's not going to sound very fond, but you just got to roll with me. Because <laughs> it's, it's more in a general sense that what would happen routinely was just... Um, you know, Courtney and I are on hand to try to offer support as much as humanly possible, which is laughable at times. But the number of times that I would get these reactions from kids who are just like asking me these questions that in no reality do I know the answer to. And just the look of frustration and disappointment on their faces that I can't solve their problem. I know that sounds horrible. This sounds like not good and like hard to admit as an educator. I know the look. But it's like I've never experienced that before in in my career. Like Hmm. not only the utter helplessness on my end, but just the reaction from from the scholars on their end. And granted I, I tried pretty hard to, to kind of get a grip on the software. And I'm like, if it was a question about something that you introduced that day, I was like, okay, I could do that. I understand. I have like my little like cheat sheet in front of me and I was like making it work. But also, and I think that you'll probably get to this um, when you share a little bit about what exactly this makerspace is. Um, the, the notion that the learning is an ever evolving process and that when you uh, are able to communicate and collaborate together, you can really expand your thinking and expand your learning around a wide array of topics. And that's not just learning software or learning how to use particular tools, but it's, it's, it's part of the collaborative experience that is Idealab, that is Innovation Studio. Pick your, <laughs> pick your name. Um, but uh, we're really happy that you're here with us this morning, and we're really excited to share with our audience and just to learn a little bit more about 
what exactly it is. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Go so, ahead. Uh, Aaron, if you could explain to someone that doesn't really know a ton about our school, like, what is your role at Odyssey? Um, maybe how does it connect to New View? What do you do here on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, so, coming into Odyssey, um, Odyssey kind of flips the script on school in so many regards through assessment, through discipline, um, and through the curriculum. Um, and so, my role um, formally is the uh, Ideal Lab Coordinator, um, and I come as a New View X Fellow. So um, I'm actually with the group called New View. Um, they're a full-time school, um, and they're also this center for innovation in education um, that sends fellows to multiple schools around the country. Um, and so I come here with a set of expertise in the design process um, and iterative working and thinking, um, a lot of project-based learning. Um, and so the freshman curriculum for our students um, is centrally based on learning through the trajectory of the iterative process of working through projects. And we're focusing strongly on interdisciplinary learning. And so we have central studios um, that align with our trimesters that the students um, execute through a build project in the Idea Lab, the space that I'm working in, um, but then also connects through their ELA courses, um, through their science courses, um, to the learning that's happening. Um, so our goal is a cohesive um, learning track that the students are relating all of their subjects into a single subject of learning in a, in a trimester. Um, and so a little bit more about um, what I actually do. Um, we teach how to make things through digital fabrication. Uh, we teach how to present things um, and document things through photography, through writing, um, and through verbal presentation. Um, and then we just really try to teach a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing things. Um, and that's really the goal of all of the effort that goes into the Idea Lab. I think you play such a unique role on this campus and really the space that you occupy and the work that you do is so rarely seen at high schools across the country, I'd argue across the world. Um, give us kind of your, your journey. What exactly led you down this path and what has ultimately brought you here to Odyssey today? Uh, yeah, so it actually started when I was in high school. Um, throughout the four years of my time um, at Hinsdale Central High School all the way back in Illinois. Shout out Illinois! <laughs> <laughs> I took very fundamental engineering drafting courses. Um, so it was traditional hand drafting. It was also, at the time, AutoCAD um, and some Autodesk Inventor. Um, and so it was very fundamental how to think and draw and see like an engineer. Um, we built Pinewood Derby cars. We built basswood architectural framing models. Um, and it really got me on the track of wanting to create. Um, and so entering into college, I knew I wanted to do something slightly more creative than um, what I thought at the time the fields of engineering uh, were. Um, so I was very drawn to architecture, ended up going to the University of Illinois uh, for six years to study architecture. I did my bachelor's and my master's there. Um, went and practiced architecture in the city of Chicago uh, with an awesome company called Gensler. 
Um, and then while I was kind of working in the office, I was really um, longing to be back in an academic environment. Um, the social aspect of that, the energy you get when you're in an institute of learning um, was something that I was missing just producing. Um, and so I was kind of on the search. I found online this awesome company, NewView, that was based out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, and so I reached out and they flew me out. I checked out the space. I was absolutely blown away. And um, I decided that was it. So flew out to Cambridge, uh, worked for about four months there. Um, and with that, they kind of explained the New View X program, this ability to travel the country, experience different schools, and bring the magic that was happening in Cambridge to other high schools. And so um, through that, I worked at All Saints Academy for a year, um, and then I spent my last year here at Odyssey, and I'm back again. That is such a cool like life path. Thanks. Super exciting. <laughs> um, so now that you're here at Odyssey, um, and you're in this unique space that we have here that is in some ways similar and in some ways totally different from other spaces that you've worked in. What's your favorite tool? And it's important that everyone realize that Courtney has been waiting to ask this question for so long. So long. I really am curious about his favorite tool. <laughs> I have to say the laser cutter. Um, the laser cutter... Because it catches on fire? Not because it catches on fire. Um, because it's such a workhorse and it's so versatile um, and it's such an immediate connection between the digital and the real world. Um, and I think our scholars right now um, are in the midst of learning that and working through the workflow of, kind of their minds to their sketch to their computer and then to a laser cut piece of cardboard or wood. Um, and like I said, it's so versatile. So um, our students currently are creating these puzzle pieces that assemble into 3D sculptures um, through an exercise called Worldcraft. Uh, but just yesterday, um, I was etching out kind of the bottom of a skateboard deck to create um, a three-dimensional graphic. Um, and then today, I'm going to be cutting some paper to assemble um, custom books that I'll be hand-stitching and binding. Um, and so it's so immediate. It's um, so useful. And it really is kind of the workhorse, the backbone of a lot of what we do in that space. I just, I like that tagline, connecting the digital world to the real world. Definitely. I remember too the scholars last year feeling uh, such a sense of pride when they watched something that they had had on their computer come out on the laser cutter. Um, and that process of getting to like pick up something they had designed and like walk around with it and touch it, I think was uh, really critical for their motivation, like skyrocketing to like learn it more inter intricately. And I'm now the proud owner of multiple Shrek, <laughs> laser cut giant Shreks that are hanging around my classroom. Thanks to the laser cutter. Shout out Dylan. <laughs> Seriously. Um, well, I think that actually transitions nicely into this question that I had uh, conjured yesterday. Um, one of the buzzwords that we hear a lot these days in education is 21st century skills. Everyone's talking about what, what are we doing to prepare these young minds for 21st century work, 21st century skills. So I, I want to ask you a question in that context, Aaron. What do you see in terms of how you are preparing our scholars for work in a workforce that is ever-changing, ever-evolving? What sort of benefits do you see our scholars picking up from the work that they do with you? 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too keen on buzzwords. Um, so I'm not super kind of aligned with what are kind of the current 21st century hottest skills. Um, but fundamentally, we try to teach the students a way of thinking in the space. Um, and so yes, we use kind of the latest software. Yes, we're using digital fabrication, but the largest takeaway we want the students to have is the ability, um, I think one, to see problems differently, um, and regardless of whatever the field they choose to go into, um, if they can approach a problem with the ability to contact outside experts, to be able to do research, um, to be able to um, have confidence in their self, to know that I have solved problems of this complexity before, um, I think that's huge. Um, and then giving them the tools to execute that, whether it's um, the ability to brainstorm new ideas, the ability to collaborate with their peers, their ability to present their ideas and make an argument for kind of the value that they're bringing to the table, um, and then project management, so kind of the management of time, the understanding of resources, um, and really how to get stuff done. I think when they leave after a year of being in the Idea Lab, um, they're very competent individuals in kind of starting out on a task and getting work done, um, which is awesome. Definitely applicable to like any sort of problem solving you can encounter in any sort of field once you leave the high school classroom. Yeah. It's awesome. And to watch them apply their ways of thinking and acting in other studio classes um, has been an awesome like pleasure as an advisor Absolutely. to watch them uh, transfer those skills. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty captivated by your life trajectory from going as someone who was a student in this world to someone who was a professional in this world to then deciding to kind of go back into the classroom. Uh, so what is it about your work with students uh, in this context that really excites you or like kind of ignites your passion to stay in education as opposed to going back to a professional firm? I don't see it so much as this binary condition of um, kind of in the professional world or in the academic world. Um, I feel just as much growth and just as much inspiration being here as I do if I were, say, in a traditional architecture firm. Um, and in a lot of ways, I feel like the scholars are my colleagues. Um, I come in and I'm motivated by the work that they're doing every single day. Um, I see connections that they're making and it inspires the work that I do. Um, and we have pretty mature conversations that happen in the space. Um, and so um, I think being in an academic environment, um, many people would see kind of what we do um, and write it off as like, oh, just high school teachers. Um, but there's so much kind of high level thought that's happening at this school um, and so much inspiration that I draw every single day um, from the conversations that we're having and the projects that we're building. Um, so uh, it honestly doesn't feel that different. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's um, a lot looser and freer of an environment for things to happen um, and for ideas to take hold, um, where I think in the profession there's a lot of restrictions, there's a lot of walls that are built up. Um, so it's just an amazing innovative space that um, 
I'm super excited to come to work every morning, uh, which I love that. And I love the way that you describe that work because I think that a lot of that is also reflected in our content classes uh, that we see. And you know, when we come together, as you know, and we talk about what we're trying to do with young people as a staff and the kind of culture um, that we're trying to uh, ascribe to, a lot of these interactions that you're describing that happen in uh, the Idea Lab are, I, I mean, that's what I, I try to replicate in, in my space, trying to kind of break myself away from more traditional approaches to teacher-student relationships and, and really try to get to this notion where we are equals, we are learners, all of us, and we're, we're here on this kind of educational journey together. Uh, and I think the way that you articulated that was was awesome. Um, a lot of what we've talked about, uh, Courtney and I, here on the podcast has to do with the ways in which we collaborate with our colleagues in other content areas. Um, whereas traditionally, you've got your English department, your math department, your science department, they all kind of live in their own little their little worlds and they like whisper and talk to each other. That's that's what that's what I think of anyways. Um, we, we break from that and we actually um, collaborate with our colleagues in those areas quite frequently to give our scholars a learning experience that is cross-curricular. Um, things that they learn, concepts that they are picking up in math and science, for example, Courtney and I will reiterate in our rooms, but also help them learn to write about those and express their thoughts and ideas about those uh, concepts appropriately. So thinking about the work that you do uh, in the Idea Lab, um, how would you describe the that kind of cross-curricular element? What are the ways in which the scholars are able to ascend to to that higher order uh, in terms of their educational experience? In the studio, when students approach any sort of problem, um, they need to come with knowledge, uh, knowledge to solve that problem. And a lot of the problems that we approach in our space um, are um, often mechanical, um, but they're often social and they're often interpersonal. Um, and a lot of the studio framing that we do um, and the problems that we ask them to approach um, have a very human aspect to them. Um, they're not purely um, a mechanical solution. Um, so in that way, yes, they're doing um, research and there's a lot of links between the learning that happens in um, the first year of physics, um, looking at Newtonian's principles, um, looking at concepts like torque and how that would apply to um, say the creation of a project that has a motor or a servo that is um, causing rotation. Um, but I think um, just as important we approach problems that um, say are cyborg enhancements that attach your body and um, allow you to interact with the world or other humans um, in a new way. Uh, we often work with individuals that um, are disabled or have some challenge um, that is a very personal um, or cultural experience. And so bringing research in that context through readings, through interviews, um, a lot of the learning that happens in our ELA courses um, supports that. Um, and um, just looking back to a few of the studios that we did last year, this idea of Darwin's Droids, a studio that um, looks at endangered species, um, you really have to understand the context of the 
the endangered species and why they're going endangered and the policies that are influencing that and the industries that have an impact. Um, and so approaching those problems blindly or naively um, doesn't do the students any service. So last year we did a lot of readings on um, what is the current context in the world in which they're working. Um, and so in that regard, we try to build up this interdisciplinary um, set of knowledge whenever we try to approach a problem. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when I was in high school, I was a terrible math and science student. I know you see me glowing academic I am today, <laughs> hard to believe. <laughs> um, but seriously, I don't think I received uh, grades above a C in math or science through my four years of high school. And so when I left high school, I decided that I was going to leave mathematics, science, technology, engineering, like that world of thinking, basically STEM, behind. So the irony when I was applying to a STEM high school was that I came into it kind of resenting STEM. And working with you in the idea space last year really made me rethink that firm hatred and reevaluate the ways that science, technology, engineering, math, design, ethics, social justice, humanities are all so interconnected. And each piece of that interconnection is essential towards making progress in this 21st century world. Back to the buzzword. <laughs> um, so it has been just like an absolute joy to get to work with you as your colleague for the last two years. And I'm so honored to have that work encapsulated in this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's so incredible. And to Courtney's point, um, looking at individual scholars last year and watching the work that they would do in my class and really understanding kind of what they consider to be their strengths and their interests and their capabilities, um, and then watching them kind of start out in the makerspace is kind of like, all right, I'm kind of just here. This isn't really my speed. But as the year went on, watching the ways in which um, the, the program itself could just totally inspire someone that previously would have thought that they would have had nothing to do with this world or, or these uh, skills that are practiced uh, over in the idea lab. So um, it's really special. It's, it's really awesome to be a part of. Uh, and, uh, and that's great. And, and it's awesome of you to have stopped by yeah, today on the, uh, the podcast. Yeah. It is so great getting the opportunity to have that interaction with Aaron. Because I love the 10th grade. I love where we're at sophomores. But it's one thing that I truly miss. I know. Is being in that idea lab space with him. Because he's just a he's just great, great guy. Great he guy, really Aaron. Is. Definitely thinks about problems in a unique way. And supports our scholars in kind of reimagining the way that they confront problems. When they're encountering them technologically, creatively cognitively um just their his like natural approach i feel like communicates to scholars really well and inspires new ways of thinking it's awesome and i think the work that they do is so heavily collaborative in terms of project work i i'm still seeing that pay dividends this year in that watching our sophomores within this first month and the way they work together I don't think would be anywhere near the level that it is right now if it hadn't been for um, Idealab and, and everything that they were doing there. Totally. 
So it's just really great to have him on campus and uh, inspiring, inspiring yeah. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And although we're in the 10th grade and we have kind of a new, uh, as the kids say, new Aaron, <laughs> like a new uh, <laughs> Idea Lab-esque partner, uh, Paul, who we're going to have to have on the show soon. Absolutely. Um, it is still awesome that we're in a school where the 9th and the 10th grade teams are so interconnected professionally. So to get to learn alongside Aaron and have these kind of conversations with him, as well as with the entire ninth grade team, is uh, a super valuable aspect of our professional community that we're building at Odyssey. So super awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week here at the Odyssey of Learning podcast. My name is Hunter. And I'm Courtney. Thanks for joining us, folks. Yay. Yay.